We appreciate, we appreciate you all coming. Let me, let me, I'm actually going to read your titles. I was, I was going to, I haven't, I think I know them, but I was going to read them because, because I think this illustrates, uh, this illustrates something and I'll make a point in a minute. So Ray Gentry is with us, uh, executive director of uh, the Southern Baptist Conference of Associational Leaders. Um, uh, Ray, where did you have to come from today? Atlanta. Or, Atlanta. That's yeah. what I thought. George I'm also did. the director of ministries, soon to be changed to associational mission strategist of the Southside Baptist Network. Well, that's what McDonald's I was going to ask you what your title was. Yeah. yeah. Director. So it's director of ministries? Right. Currently. Gotcha. Yeah. And this, this is the point I'm making. Um, Dr. Bob uh, Lohman, Jr. Senior. <laughs> Sorry. Daddy was senior. Daddy was senior. <laughs> Executive Director, so the Executive Director of Metrolina Baptist Association, so the Charlotte area. Uh, do you have any other titles you want to share? No. <laughs> oh, in two weeks, Poppy. Poppy in two weeks. Oh, that's, 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 a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I get to be a father-in-law again in a few, in a couple of months. I'm already one, but I get to be a, the, the, guy, the kid's brave. Um, and then Dr. Rick Wheeler, Wheeler, who's with us, the lead missional strategist of the Jacksonville Baptist Association. I just thought the titles were cool, you know, when you have a long title like mine. But even, even the diversity of titles, I think, is, uh, and, I, and I, there's nothing within me that would suggest uniformity or conformity in any way. I just think it's interesting to see how, how those things go together. Um, make sure I'm factually correct here, gentlemen, if you would. So <clears throat> a, a national study was done. The national organization sponsoring this study, Rick, you led the team who did this study and shared that report at the Southern Baptist Convention. And, of course, it's been in print now, and um, I've enjoyed looking at it. It was fascinating to me. And then a task force, a follow-up task force has been created uh, to discuss the implementation, what are the best pathways for implementation uh, to achieve these proficiencies that the study report revealed. And Bob, you've been asked to lead that task force. And you guys have started meeting some, I think. Right. I'm not going to ask you to share the minutes of your meeting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, you bet. <laughs> yeah, we, would, we wouldn't want to know. Uh, and so let, let me just ask you this. If I were to ask you, first of all, the, the study report. And so, Rick, I guess I'll look to you first, and then Ray, if you want to add in, and Bob, obviously, um, even though you weren't, uh, you weren't on that team necessarily, but as, a, as a, an associational leader, it would be interesting to hear your thoughts. What are the, some of the greatest lessons, or maybe even surprises? I mean, it could be either way. Were there, were there things that surprised you or uh, the most important lesson learned from that study report? What, what, what really hits you coming out of that? Yeah, I'll give a couple, and Ray, I'm sure can, uh, I know he's got a great perspective. Uh, probably the most encouraging uh, takeaway for me was how much energy there was around identifying and um, exploring associations or networks around the Southern Baptist Convention that are deemed to be very effective, deemed to be very helpful. I, I think there are some 1,100 and some odd associations around the country, and uh, you did a great job this morning kind of highlighting some of the big issues of relevancy and value, and those questions are real and they're being asked. Uh, at the same time, I think it is um, a deep conviction of most Southern Baptists that we are better together and there's a way that we need to figure out how to connect together at a local level. And so uh, what was encouraging to me is that is a very 
energetic and um, positive conversation. It was also uh, part of our uh, research was we wanted to identify or, or have other people identify associations that were deemed by them to be valuable and effective. And golly, I think in about two weeks, we had feedback from nearly every state convention, executive director, uh, people at IMB, people who work in the field, SBCAL, to say, you know what, here's a larger association that we see uh, that is really helping their churches and their pastors. Here's some smaller ones. And we easily collected uh, a list of over 88 to 90, I think there were, um, very quickly. So this concept that, you know, associationalism is, is kind of gone, you know, we need to kind of move on. Well, we, we might need to refresh, we might need to hit some reset buttons, but we need not think that local partnerships uh, don't matter anymore. They do. And they're on the mind and they're on the hearts of pastors and churches uh, all across our, uh, our convention, which also should bring to us a challenge. Uh, that they are asking for something that is helpful and is relevant and it will help them achieve, uh, accomplish the Great Commission together. So that was probably the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah. Ray, you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, and uh, I was ex officio on that team and Bob's by virtue of my role as a leader. And uh, I, I concur with everything that Rick said. Uh, <clears throat> when I thought about this question, I put, uh, as far as the greatest lessons learned uh, from the study team process, uh, God is good and he answers prayer. And, um, and then also parallel what he said that there are many uh, DOMs, AMSs who are doing a good job, who want help to be even more effective and more fruitful. Uh, and that was encouraging. Uh, as well as you mentioned surprise. Uh, really the surprise was so pleasant. I'm still shocked and, and just praising God for it that we had uh, over 150 of us peers uh, from all over the country voted unanimously when do Baptists do that? You know, that's a God thing uh, in Dallas to adopt the report. Uh, I'm still in awe of that and appreciative of that by those that were there. And I know a few of you in the room were there. And uh, thank you for that. But no, that was a real pleasant surprise that it was so not just overwhelming, but unanimously adopted. Uh, so that's pretty strong. So that's the reason we, uh, one of the reasons, obviously, that we feel so strongly that we're heading in the right direction and helping, uh, you know, just like what I tell people, SBCAL is there to help associations, associational leaders, just like we as associational leaders are there to help our pastors and churches, okay? So we're here to help, and, uh, and I'm very excited about the response to this study team report. And based upon some of those lessons learned, so Bob, I'm going to look at you mainly first here. Based upon some of those lessons learned, some of the, some of the, some of the research done, some of the, some of the conclusions drawn on the study report, what, what, what do you, without saying too much and without sharing before what you, you know, ahead of time what you ought to share or not share from a team, what, what do you are just seeing as some of the greatest challenges to actually implementing some of these ideas and lessons learned? I think the, well, we've, some of the early conversations around the report, um, of course a lot of attention has gone to the title, which is important. Um, and yet I think the greater challenge more than the title would be uh, the whole area of, of the proficiencies. How do we actually present those? How do we, how do we, um, how do we uh, present them and, and then prepare to train for them? Um, fitting the more the rural context, the urban context, et cetera. So how do we fit the different types of environments that we have in Southern Baptist life across associations? And then how do we, how do we then help one another 
through that process. So, yeah, I guess it goes to you know associations are are very diverse as you as we all know, uh, but in in that diversity, how then do we serve one another in the most effective ways? Uh, interpreting the whole thing, the study. So, any any additional comments to that? Go ahead. Um, I think prayer. Uh, we uh, solicited a lot of prayer for the study team report and for that year-long process. And I uh, know Bob and Rick will agree because Rick is on this vision team as well. But uh, we need prayer for, for this vision team, this task force, because uh, uh, it is a big, big deal. And uh, so that the team makes wise decisions about next steps in validating and expounding upon those 17 proficiencies and uh, of effective uh, AMSs and uh, how we should partner with people uh, and entities to help us to to uh, coach and to, to train and to to uh, help us to be more effective. I, yeah, I would just add that um, um, you know while we have unity uh, around this report, um, the, what we never have in Southern Baptist life is uniformity, and the way in which associations are structured, the way they make decisions, the way they're funded, uh, is different from state to state, from region to region, and so. Uh, it's one thing to get a gallon of milk into the grocery store. It's another one to get it inside someone's refrigerator. And so right now I think we have something that is helpful uh, for those who would be looking for uh, a new pathway or a new way of thinking about how they partner together. Um, it, it was never meant to be, and it's never been the desire of SBCAL to have something that should be, uh, you know, uniformly adopted. It, it ought to be considered. It ought to be taken into consideration as you contextualize the work that you're doing. Uh, we think it's good enough to be helpful to you. Uh, we do not think you ought to adopt it without thinking it through. And so, as you wouldn't with anything else. Um, uh, we all know Hugh Townsend, who's kind of a legend in our world. And uh, you, I, I don't know if he was in the room, or maybe he was in middle school then, but he, he talks about uh, when the meeting, it was somewhere in Louisiana back in the 60s, I think, when the actual title of director of missions was agreed upon. I mean, there, that, that didn't come down off of Ararat with Noah. I mean, that, that actually came from a room in Louisiana, apparently. And, and it has served us well. Uh, there, in, in a time when there was much more uniformity among Southern Baptists in terms of methodology and strategy, and you could walk into a five-star church in one part of our denomination and walk into another, if some of you know what I'm talking about, uh, there's a lot of consistency among our churches. Well, that day is no more. And so there's definitely uh, questions that need to be asked about how we respond to how not only the changes in our culture, but the changes in our churches. This is a way or um, an option for you to consider, but it ought to be one that you really pray through and really deliberate with your leaders and your pastors really need to make the, the call on how you partner together. So let's talk about those 17 proficiencies for a second. Um, if I were to ask you, uh, in your opinion, which area of proficiency or perhaps even specific proficiencies do you see perhaps lacking the most or needing the, the, the most improvement in associational ministry in our denomination? Do you have any opinions about those ideas? Well, I think uh, what I'm going to say agrees with where you were going this morning, uh, strategic proficiencies. Uh, as you indicated, uh, our pastors, churches typically don't think strategically, and, uh, and so I don't think associations do either. And, of course, most, but not all, most uh, DOMs, AMSs are former pastors. And uh, so, uh, to me, the strategic proficiencies are going to be eye-opening uh, to a lot of people. 
and uh, and I think of those you mentioned which one I would think the word strategist uh, which of course is in our title the key word and um, and so uh, um, I uh, am an advocate to ask Rick Wheeler to be the writer for the strategist because he can do it. <laughs> and uh, but we but we're looking for people you know that are going to help us to to expound upon each of those proficiencies. But I do think that the strategist is a very very important one that we all, myself included, I need to be a better strategist. Um, and uh, if we if we adopt, uh, of course that's up to each association. But if we adopt the title mission strategist in any way, shape, or form, or even just the role, then we all need training in it more and more because I don't think we've gotten training in it. And so that's my thinking. And that's where seminaries come in. Uh, I mean, thank yeah, you for doing this. This Amen. is Amen. Uh, this is very valuable. It's you know the reason I wanted to be here today uh, was not to prop up or or you know put the report up was 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 but was to say thank you uh, and may your tribe increase because uh, seminaries ought not to be the only place where these conversations take place, but they they have a voice, they have a role, and this is very meaningful uh, when our formal theological education systems come alongside and support this. It only helps to validate it, but, but I think really meet the needs of the conversations that churches and associations are having. And so thank you for, for hosting this, and it's, it's, I hope we have a lot more of these. Just to, to tag on that, just for Southeastern, and since, actually, where'd you graduate from? Twice from Southern. Southern, okay, we still love you, okay. Ray and I are graduates. <laughs> but anyway, but uh, Danny Aiken was my, my academic was, advisor. Right, right. So. <laughs> but... Uh, but I was going to say, I was in a conversation with, I won't say, but the leader of another seminary professor there, and he hadn't heard what was happening here at Southeastern, and it really seemed to get his attention. That was good, so I tried to spur that on. But in terms of the, in terms of the strategic proficiencies, that I, I agree. I think that's the, the biggest area we're going to have the, the most challenge in and, the, and the, maybe the best opportunity to help in mm -hmm. um, because it, will, it, it not only will help us to communicate, okay, this is what we need to be about, but it'll also help partners to say, well, maybe this is a way we could step in and help association leaders in our region or in our particular area. So. And, I, and I might make the comment as a, almost a disclaimer to say that uh, these gentlemen did not request for this panel discussion to take place, nor did they request to be a part of it. I personally, uh, they had no idea this was going to happen until last week, probably. And I asked them if they would be a part of this. One of the things that concerns me, and this is, this is a seminary comment, and I, I'm going to. I'm, I'm actually, for the once in my life, going to choose my words carefully, which I'm not known for, um, <laughs> at all. Um, um, sometimes, in the environment of a seminary campus, um, our students um, are are um, not always exposed to what I would call normative Southern Baptist life. Um, and many of them come from that background. Uh, they come from normative Southern Baptist churches from all over the country to come here. But then once they're here, sometimes they find themselves being less and less exposed to what we would might call a, a normative Southern Baptist experience. And I want to be really careful I use that word. So, for example, if it's true that 85 or whatever percent it is of Southern Baptist churches run 250 or less on a Sunday morning, you know, that number gets batted around, but it's a high percentage. And so the vast majority of Southern Baptist churches are actually churches of 250 or less in attendance. And then you go back to some of the questions of this morning are smaller churches, whatever that really means. John Mark Clifton, who works, or worked at NAM, he, he and I were teaching a church revitalization thing together one time. 
and he really corrected me, and rightfully so. He said, quit calling those smaller churches. Those are normal churches. And he says, so if, if those are the normal churches of our denomination, and these normal churches have a stronger affinity sometimes toward associational relationships than perhaps some of the larger ones do, and that may or may not even be true, frankly. That, that's a perception that I have and that others have. I don't know statistically whether that's even true. But if that's true, then it's still interesting to me that the vast majority of Southern Baptist life would still have an affinity toward this geographical fellowship and relationship and ministry together. And I think it's an important thing for us to at least remember, to remember that sometimes we get exposed on these campuses to nothing but large to mega church leadership and models. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, through chapels and different things. And, and that's, there's no right or wrong to that. That's just sometimes the way it is. You, you get really good preachers in here, and they're often in larger situations. Uh, but I think sometimes maybe our students forget what normal out there is. And so, um, so there's, there's a question here of perception versus reality, too, that I think is a part of it. And so this, this proficiency in the area of strategy, which, of course, is an area, and Bob knows this from me, but others here do, too, that this is an area I spend a lot of time in and care a lot about, and I just see lacking. So I, it's interesting that you all would say that. If, if I were to, if I were to, I mean, this is a, I mean, if I were to throw the fastball at you guys and just ask you, if you were to describe what you really see your vision for associational ministry being, I mean, that's a big question. It's a broad question. So you could be a piece of that, a part of that, or a portion, whatever you want to do. But just how do you begin to approach that yourself? Ray, what do you, what do you think? All right, thank you, uh, Dr. Ewart. Um, uh, and we just got these yesterday, but I did spend time praying and thinking about it last night. So I wrote it down because I knew I wouldn't give you a, a good answer otherwise. Uh, but no, this is, this is really the, the, my heart. The, I believe the future is bright. If we keep our focus on Jesus, the Great Commission, and assisting our pastors and churches in advancing the gospel. Now, sure, there are some who think associations are passe, but Baptists have collaborated together in associations for over 310 years in America. If we will be passionate learners and leaders who are effective mission strategists, the future is bright. I see becoming an AMS in coming years as a ministry position that the best and brightest in SBC life will aspire to be. In the past, too often the role has been seen as merely a stepping stone to retirement. And we've got to kill that. We've got to kill that. Um, in terms of vision, this, uh, I, I think it's, it, it may be already happening. Actually, I know it's happening in a number of places. But my vision for where associations would be in the days ahead um, would be that instead of being the, the um, how do I put this delicately, the stepchild in Southern Baptist mission work, mm -hmm. the associations will be recognized as the go-to partner in missions and ministry in Southern Baptist life. Uh, truth is, um, um, this is being recorded, isn't it? Yes. Okay. You're being uh, vi videoed okay, as we as truthful as, as I was getting ready to be. But, but put it this way, I was in a, a denominational gathering not long ago when certain leaders were asking, how do we better serve our, our constituents in this area? And when everybody was asking how they could be better served, all they were talking about was, uh, the, were the associations in their area. Uh, so it wasn't, it wasn't a broader gathering of Baptists they were looking to. It was the local association they were looking to first. Uh, so that would be my vision. I, I really, and, but again, going back to the proficiencies too, combining two, um, 
something that I have to go to regularly is the fact that I, I was called to be an associational yeah, leader. Right. You know, it isn't just something I went to because it was a job or it's an opportunity or whatever. This is, I mean, I spent years preparing to, didn't know in a lot of ways, but, but was. Um, so if we can go at this vision-wise, mission-wise, uh, as called servants, um, and then if we are the, the go-to partners, uh, I really think we can serve our churches in the best ways and prepare them for, for broader partnerships at the state level and the, and the national level. But, but um, that'd be my vision and hope. Yeah, I think these guys have stated it well. Um, I would just add a couple of practical things, and, and that is, uh, one, we've got to be better uh, storytellers uh, about associational life. Uh, there isn't a you know, a PR firm out there or, or a, a news agency that's going to tell our story for us. Um, uh, you know, other, other organizations, uh, entities kind of have that arm. Uh, we don't really have that arm in our world, and so that's one of the things that kind of is a headwind for us. And so we kind of have to work a little extra hard when associationalism and partnering together really is prevailing and working well, we've got to do a good job of telling that story uh, in either social media, video form, publish, you know, blogs, whatever. Uh, so I think that's part of it um, that, would, that would help us get to, closer to that vision. At the end of the day, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention at, at all levels will be what churches and pastors choose for it to be. Right. Uh, I know that sounds really blatantly yeah. Captain Obvious here, but... Um, but it's our job to help it make sense to them. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I think we, we have to spend a, a lot more time not so much criticizing but creating and, and give a vision by living one out in such a way that it is so compelling that it cannot be ignored. Yeah. So <clears throat> when, I worked with, uh, when I worked with Dr. Rayner before he went to Lifeway and we were – I was part of that consultation thing that he was doing, and I was at—I was—I worked at Southern with him there. Uh, he used to have a saying when we would be out on consultation visits, and, and it was a pretty consistent saying. And at first, I didn't buy into it, but then after so many experiences with him, I began to realize that this was truth. And he'd go, "99 percent of the time, it's leadership." Um, he probably could have said 100 percent, but 99 percent of the time, it's leadership. And 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 the perception of some of associational leaders of of what we would call back home the spit and whittle club, um, you know, those just one step out of retirement, uh, are those who are kind of in a, a holding position just because they 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 don't have the energy to pastor anymore, and they're a nice guy and people like them, and they're kind of just biding their time compared to an associational missions strategist. You know what I mean? And this morning, <coughs> when I was talking about some of the strategy, whether it's mission strategy or at least missional strategy, and there is a difference between those two to me, uh, it, it, to where a person's understanding the need to help drive this, to, the, the, to be the go-to person. Or as you're saying, I mentioned today this phrase relevancy and redundancy. It's a marketing idea. You know, you tell somebody something important, you tell it to them over and over and over and over and over again to where they have understood value. And, and under, I don't think understood value of the association is going to come without that intentionality. Uh, and that's going to have to be driven by leadership, not just associational leadership, but certainly the church leadership buying into that because, as you said, Without the buy-in of the pastors, it, it just doesn't fly in Southern Baptist life. So if, if I were to ask you kind of as a follow-up to that, that vision idea, and, it, and you may go right back to the strategy proficiencies again, and that's fair. But, but just again, what, what's the greatest hurdle for these visions to be a reality at this stage of the game? 
Who wants to go first? I'll jump in. Um, this is the thing that's been, as I've been thinking about this, um, I, I think the, the, the greatest hurdle is age. I mean, I, we don't have to look too specifically around the room, but there are only a few of us that are under 40 in the room. Now, I'm not going to look at anybody specific, but, but um, in term, but th there aren't that many association leaders that, that aren't in their 40s, 50s, 60s. You know, um, and and it, it's okay. We we have here in North Carolina, we have evidence. It's okay to have somebody that is not that's not 40 something to be an association leader, um, and that's not just with with association leaders, but with pastors too. Uh, we need to see that younger generation step into and buy into associational leadership and the associational, associational role. Um, so I think that's the biggest hurdle. But I am seeing in our association, I'm seeing a lot more connection, especially some of our younger church planters. Um, that, uh, and actually, I had one of the, uh, that, it was so sweet, I had to share it. Last week, I had a, a formerly Methodist pastor who's now planning a new, quote, unquote, non-denominational church in Charlotte come to meet and want to talk about possibly becoming part of the association. And he said, this is what got me, it was, it was wonderful, but he said, he said, all my Baptist friends keep saying we need to connect to the association. And I always want to go find all those Baptist guys and hug their necks. I mean, you know, um, but the guys he's talking to are all 30, 35. Now that's some good news, you know, but sad to say that's an exception, I think. So even in our situation. So the more we can see a younger buy-in, the better off we'll be, I think. I'll, I'll go next and let, get, let Ray have the final word on that. But uh, um, I, I, we've said this in kind of some different ways, but I want to say it a little differently, and that is I, I think the greatest challenge would be um, a lack of clarity on what our specific vision, our specific function is to be as an association. So we all know we're trying to come alongside churches and help them fulfill the Great Commission and we, we are in that supportive role, but um, but what are you going to be better than anybody else at? You know, what what is it that you're going to have that value-added contribution, to use another marketing term? Um, uh, what is that distinct thing that's going to make your network, your your association, um, the go-to for fill-in-the-blank? Because, I mean, we can go around the country, and, and these guys know better than I do, you know, different associations that are really good at things that our association is not, quite honestly, that good at. Uh, some of it has to do with what your churches kind of are cap uh, capable of doing. Some of it has to do with the unique setting that you're in, um, what what the mission field is like. So um, I, I think doing the, the homework of a missionary, of distilling down, if, if you kind of buy in at all to the idea of simple church, you know, what does a simple association look like? You know, simple church is all about clarity, movement, alignment, and focus. What does that look like? Uh, where you are. And I think if we could come to a place where no matter where you are in the country, you can be in a very rural setting, in a metropolitan, urban, uh, suburban setting, but your local network has some great understanding and great clarity about what they're trying to accomplish, and they can communicate that in a way that you understand and know how to plug in, um, I, that would be a great vision that I could see uh, in the future. Amen. Um, all right, the greatest hurdle for implementing the vision. Um, uh, here's what I was thinking here last night, and I think I still agree with it. <laughs> Convincing some AMSs, pastors, state, and SBC leaders 
that June 10th of 2018 was a historic day when over 150 DOMs from across the country voted unanimously to adopt the study team report and that, now here's the key, and that there is a renaissance of associationalism in the SBC. And I really believe that. Uh, you know the old saying, a rising tide lifts all boats. Well, beloved, you need to help us promote this study team report to your pastors and leadership in your association. If you need more copies, we got some. I'll be mailing them to you uh, across your state, across your peers, um, because the rising tide lifts all boats. Now, like Rick said, personalize it, but don't trash it. Don't ignore it. I mean, this is, this is a godsend for each of us to use to raise the bar, to raise the, the, you know, the rising tide lifting all boats. And, um, and believe me, the new, uh, newer, younger associational leaders are very, very excited about this report. Um, and uh, and I've, I've, I'm hearing that from around the country. Now, uh, some people think the new descriptor is the only thing that has changed since June, on June the 10th and following. And um, I read blogs like most of you probably do, and I've read that, you know, and, uh, uh, and that's wrong. Because, and of course, the vision team that Bob is leading is going to prove that wrong. And so uh, I hope that you will join us, if at all possible, in Birmingham. It's not that far away. Uh, and join us for the next uh, annual conference of SBCAL, where we will be voting on the vision team report. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I know God's going to do some great things uh, and give us handles um, uh, after the, the wonderful uh, study team report. So, uh, so I just think we've got to recognize and help people see it is a new day for associationalism, hard to say, associationalism in the SBC, um, and, uh, and, a, and an exciting time to do it, to be alive. Well, you know, and one of the encouraging things to me, again, as an outsider, uh, but a, an encouraging thing to me when I, I read the study report is I'm looking, and as Bob and I were having this conversation the other day when I called you up, it, it, you know, I was thinking in terms of the fact that, um, as I said this morning, if you're going to have vision, strategy, et cetera, you've got to have definitions, expectations. You've you got to know what the goals are. You've got, you got to have some destination that you're going toward, and you've got to develop pathways to get there. Um, and, and we asked some hard questions this morning, or, or, or at least some questions that are being asked this morning, uh, honest questions. But if you don't have that definition and pathway, well, to be honest with you, what this study report does is it provides some of the framework for those definitions, expectations, and standards. And, if, and one of the things that's also going to do, and this will be interesting for you all, not for me. Fortunately, I won't have to deal with this. Uh, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see what level of accountability it provides. If, if, if pastors <clears throat> see the study report mm -hmm. and then their associational leader is not necessarily paying attention to that study report, mm -hmm. there could be some level of accountability that's expected there mm -hmm. to where the guys that perhaps are in associational ministry today and are not necessarily the greatest role models of what it could be may be actually held to some standards that they now have defined for them and the pastors don't have to sit there and be making them up. They were made up by other associational leaders. So it actually gives them a tool of accountability, um, which will be interesting, I think, as well. Now, hopefully that won't happen. Hopefully every associational leader will be self-accountable and will be excited about pursuing and helping others to pursue these proficiencies that are listed. Uh, again, for us to add specific parts of the contextual vision that we talked about this morning, you know, the rest of today and in the morning, part of our goal is simply 
is to provide, for example, Dr. Jim Shaddock is going to be providing a section on discipleship and associational ministry, which could be part of that strategy. Uh, Scott Pace talking about leadership development, which could be a part of that strategy. Tomorrow, when I talk about church revitalization, which I'm really not going to do what you've heard me do before, um, and I'm talking about church health, I'm going to give you 10 principles for church revitalization. It's the, best, the best, biggest summary I've ever given probably on the two-and-a-half-day kind of stuff I do for you a lot. But it's, it's different in the sense of how can we help our churches be healthy and what role do you all play in that. And that could be a part of that strategic strategy. <clears throat> but 99% of the time it's leadership. And so if the associational leader doesn't buy into the self-development, if the associational leader doesn't buy into what the, an understanding of what his role is as the AMS or whatever they choose to call themselves, um, and to really buy into these goals of proficiencies for them. I mean, if they bought into that, then the way they could then take that and help that, put that into the lives of their pastors and their churches could be phenomenal, you know. And so it will be interesting to see, uh, Bob, what your task force uh, reports and, uh, and shares. So um, any other comments before I open it up for questions? Just, just one more, reiterating what Ray said earlier. Please be praying for us this year as we're working between now and May. Oh, sorry. Please be praying for us this year as we're working on, on it. The team's at work now, and um, we'll be presenting material in May, and then that'll be coming to the, to the whole group in June. So thank you. Well, I wanted to leave about 15 minutes, and so let's have a few questions. I'll, I'll try to summarize your question back into the mic so we can have it on, on film. Chris, go ahead. Let me just regurgitate that a bit. So in a previous meeting where you all were in attendance, you were asked about why a seminary would not perhaps offer a degree or some kind of curriculum for associational leadership or a model like that. Yeah, and uh, it was actually at the roundtable after that unanimous vote in Dallas uh, on Sunday afternoon. And, yes, I do remember that, Chris. And, of course, Rick was on the platform with me. We had a panel just like this. And uh, uh, I know in the past there have been at least one or two seminaries that had a D-men in associational leadership. I don't know if that is true now. I don't really know if it is or specifically or not. But, um, but yes, I think that, that the, if we could get all of them would be great. Uh, but, yeah, if we could get seminaries to have – uh, uh, a, a degree or degrees in, or if not degrees, even just uh, uh, an emphasis as part of a degree in associational leadership, uh, I think that would be wonderful to, to raise, again, the profile, the, the marketing. I was a marketing major, by the way, in college, <laughs> and uh, so I'm with you on the marketing 100%, that uh, we don't, and telling the story, we, we do need to do a better job of all that, but, uh, but yes, just like you guys are Southeastern is doing this wonderful conference. We need seminaries to, to partner with us. And that's one of the things the vision team is going to be exploring is, is, is how, can we, how can we partner with not just seminaries, but other seminaries and other SBC entities uh, better and, um, uh, and be an advocate uh, for associations in, in SBC life. Yeah. Thank you. 
Yeah, I would just add that even in the conversations of the study team before it was presented, uh, that was brought up, uh, and I don't—I mean, all of our minutes are out there in their public, so I don't mind naming names. But uh, uh, Paul Chitwood, who's the executive director of the Kentucky Baptist Convention, was uh, very vocal that you know why aren't our seminaries providing some kind of a degree or certificate in uh, association and nonprofit leadership? I mean, so if this is we got 1,100 of these around the country, you know what what does that support look like? And it probably ought to be in terms of formal degree, but also non-formal or informal opportunities, even such as this, uh, where it's just emphasized perhaps more, I think would be extremely helpful and, and relevant, you know, for our, uh, for, because we're going to need, we're going to have people in those roles. Uh, and, and the other thing is we interact all the time with pastors and leaders who are sensing a call into that. And I don't know that there's been, other than the thing at Shaco or the breakouts that are done at some of the meetings, there's no real formal pathway to say, have you been called to this? If so, here's some things you ought to uh, look for and to be assessed around. You know, if we we take two days, I, we just last weekend our our network, our, our association has its own church planter assessment. I spent two and a half days with six couples, uh, one replanter couple and and five planter couples uh, around the Ridleys. If you're familiar with Ridleys, 13 you know proficiencies of uh, of effective church planters. Um, if we do that for every church planter that's out there, why why wouldn't it be just as important? to do that for somebody that we're going to turn over a whole network of churches to, to form mission around. Uh, so I, I think it is time to build up much more robust systems of support and uh, accountability and development uh, around this role. And what, one other thing. I know it's dangerous to suggest something because very often if you suggest it, you're considered the person that gets to do it. <laughs> but I'm throwing this out for the group, okay? What if as a result of our team's work this, this year, the vision team's work this year, um, someone uh, wrote an elective course on associational missions leadership that could be used at any of our Bible colleges, seminaries, and then just made it available. Um, so if any of you want to do that, let us know. Uh, but that is something that could be done, and then that could lead toward a greater emphasis. Sure. In fact, let me just say this, and I'm being videotaped. I have witnesses who work at this seminary here. <laughs> if you all as a group would like to work with me, uh, I'll be glad to put together an elective course. Uh, th then my suggestion would be that we would record the videos and make it available in an online format as well. Uh, I'd be glad to work with, uh, with you all on that and to see that happen. One of the interesting things to me will be <clears throat> when the task force is done this June, I'll be interested to see, um, and I, I don't know if there's any connection here or not, and I'm not making assumptions. I'm trying not to make judgmental statements. The um, the note from a state convention, from the North American Mission Board, from Lifeway, from the seminaries, from some of these state and national entities, if they see your national group coming together to say, look, <clears throat> we're really serious about this. Uh, this is what we think this is, and this is a serious definition. Uh, it's a biblical, godly, serious definition. We want this to be a standard. We want this to be an expectation. This is something we're hoping. But my prayer would be, maybe that's the way I want to say this, is that others would take note of that and say, well, look, maybe we don't need to write off the association. Not, not that they are, but some probably are or, or would. Or, 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 you know, in some cases, we just don't think about it enough to where if this comes to the forefront and say, look, we're really serious about this, then perhaps other entities would say, okay, 
well, let's figure out how to be serious about this together and really figure out, because obviously <clears throat> beyond the associational level, that relationship with the state, that relationship with the national, that relationship with these other entities is, is, a, is a part of the part of the structure and part of the, the working. Yeah, one, one initial step that's been helpful in that regard, and it's just an initial step, but I was, I'm a member of the executive committee, and on Tuesday, today's Thursday, on Tuesday we actually voted uh, as an executive committee to adopt uh, the language under a memorandum of understanding between oh, the executive good. committee and the SBCAL. I didn't bring it up. Seeing Oldham, who's part of the staff of the executive committee, was on the study team, uh, I suspect he might have had some role in, in making sure that happened. But we've also seen several state conventions. I believe Georgia has uh, taken an official step towards this. The Florida Baptist Convention has taken an official step. Just to say, yeah, we acknowledge that this group has kind of shifted in, in their title and nomenclature. We want to adopt that nomenclature. That's all they're saying at this point. Uh, North American Mission Board has been very uh, agreeable. We'll be there next week, uh, kind of rolling this some of this out and talking to them uh, more thoroughly about that. But um, I've been very pleased with how well across the you know, constellation of relationships within the Southern Baptist Convention, how I think people are really wanting some some standards, some mm -hmm. definition, and some emphasis there. So uh, that's been very encouraging to me. That's good. Well, and I think you know the questions that we were asking this morning some of those difficult questions. I do think they're real questions, and so I think I think we're providing answers, mm -hmm. and you're providing answers for some of those questions. And I think it's helpful. Uh, any other question? Yep. Uh, just so you know, uh, Rick, uh, North Carolina is doing something. Excellent. Great. Some of them will call me dad, father. But I think 
raise up men and start mm-hmm. to win. And so I think the fans engage with you. So I don't know if that's taking more of a statement than a question. Yes, but, uh, will you, Skinner, or Montgomery? Well, yeah, I mean, we've, what we've done, just to give you a little glimpse into what our, our group is doing, is we've divided into sub-teams to take different aspects of, of the report to then prepare the, the full report. Um, and on the group that, that is going to be looking at this particular area, specifically those foundation proficiencies and, and just the qualifications, et cetera, uh, that's going to be, that'll be majored on, yes. And, it, and it, it's a reason that's the first foundational proficiency, you know, the, the calling issue. So now I wasn't on the team, and I would guess that's the reason it's there. So, um, yeah, that, it, it, that will be a major point of emphasis, yeah. Very good. Maybe one more question. And if not, very good. Well, let's thank these gentlemen for spending their time and being on the panel with us. We appreciate you all so much. As I I swallow the halls, sorry. Um, (laughs) The Florence storm has just devastated my sinuses. I'm allergic to North Carolina, I think. Um, So so, um, after after this, in just a few moments, we're going to take about a 15-minute break. And then uh, you're going to be... uh, you're going to hear from Eli Bird, who's going to share with you about some certificate opportunities, which would be some really helpful training opportunities, especially for some of your lay leaders uh, in your associations. And then following that, Dr. Jim Shaddix, who's a professor of preaching, but also the director of our, our Center for uh, Preaching and Pastoral Leadership. We call it the Pastor Center for short. Um, he's going to come tell you a little bit about that, but also come and share with you um, about discipleship. Um, I'm going to be slipping out just for a little bit to go back across campus and help lead a class that is in process right now. But uh, Eli is going to come, and he's going to share for a few minutes, and then Dr. Shaggs is going to share with you, and I'll be back after that. And so, Since we're ending early, could I end with a promotion about this? Uh, no, we don't allow promotions here. Unless they're Southeastern promotions, we don't allow infomercials. Ray's, Ray's got an infomercial for you. Yeah, real quick, uh, because we are a little ahead of schedule. You received this when you walked in as well as the study team report. Uh, I hope that you'll really prayerfully consider uh, joining the SBCAL as a member. It's only 25 a year. Uh, Everybody can join. We need everybody to to participate because it gives us a stronger voice in SBC life. Uh, So uh, just go to sbcassociations.org. And then on the other side, uh, if you can join us again, as I mentioned earlier, we'd love to have you with us in Birmingham. Uh, It's going to be a great lineup. Uh, We have Dr. Robert Smith uh, of Beeson Divinity School. Excellent professor of preaching is going to be one of our speakers. Uh, we have asked our uh, new SBC president, J.D. Greer, and uh, we're hopeful that he's going to be one of our speakers. And we're also, we've asked uh, Dr. Johnny Hunt uh, to be one of our speakers. Um, among other wonderful peer learning uh, times, uh, workshops, etc. And notice if you're a, a first-timer, you use the code 10OFF and you get 10% off. Uh, the current uh, super early bird rate is 89, which is still a bargain, uh, $89, and that's uh, uh, Sunday, all day Sunday from 9 in the morning till 7.30 at night when the banquet ends, so you can still go to the pastor's conference that night uh, for most of it, and then on uh, Monday morning, we, we end at 11.20, so you can still go to the free NAM uh, luncheon, and then you can go to the pastor's conference on Monday afternoon and Monday night, so we, we have to thread the needle you know, with so much going on uh, to uh, find the best sweet spot. But uh, this has been the schedule that's worked the best the last few years. And um, 
We had the most attendance in Dallas we've had in many, many moons, like 15-plus years. And uh, we anticipate more in Birmingham because now you can get there. You can drive there. And so can a lot of other people now that we're in the heart of the South. So please join us. And if you are a prospect, you know a prospective guy or you are a new guy, two years or less in your role, then we encourage you to come on Saturday night, uh, June the 8th, and uh, from 630 to 9, we'll have a, a, a workshop for you uh, for only $25, and your wife can come for free. So, uh, and uh, I'd love to meet each of you before we finish tomorrow. And if I can help and serve you in any way personally or as our organization, let me know. Thank you, brother. Hey, meals are included. Yes, thank you. A wonderful, two wonderful meals, lunch and dinner, are included in the price that, for that, both you and your spouse. That wouldn't be Alabama barbecue from Birmingham or anything like that, would it? No, it's going to be better than that. Is it? <laughs> I was going to say Jim Shaddix would probably join. If, if it <laughs> it's going to be that good or better. Let me put it that way. <laughs> brother Dugold, are you here? Yeah. Come here, brother. Come on down here. So I'm going to hand Dugold the microphone, and will you close it? No, now he doesn't get to preach. Prayer. <laughs> now, listen, Alan Bloom's here, and he's going to record you for the paper. So no preaching. And no special offerings for your designated purposes. Are we clear? Okay. What I am going to ask you to do. <laughs> See, I know some people better than I know others, don't I? Uh, yeah. Uh, I am going to ask you to pray, if you would, and to especially pray for the task force as they're preparing, doing their work and praying and, and heading toward June that, um, that this really will be uh, a report that will lead to action. And implementation. Will you do that for us? All right. And then after he prays, uh, you have a break till 2.15. Back in here at 2.15. Okay. I took my reserve seating sign, and I brought it back so I know where to get my reserve seating from now on, too. Thank you. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and we say thank you. We thank you for the privilege that we have of working with your church. And, Father, we just thank you that you have entrusted to us that responsibility. And I pray, Father, that we'll be constantly learning and applying what we learn to the work that you have called us to do. And let it always be a calling and not something to just fill our life with busyness, as we oftentimes do if we're not careful. For the task force that Bob's leading, as we continue to seek for better ways to serve and to be held accountable to, your, to you and to your church, Father, I pray for guidance. I pray, Father, that you will use the task force to, to clarify our purpose so that we can better communicate our purpose. And, Father, as we've emphasized, this is a special calling. For many of us, it's a calling that, uh, that uh, we want to hold on to it because we want to, we want to bring glory to your name, but we want to advance your church. And uh, so, Father, just uh, be with us in all of our efforts to uh, to honor you and to serve you and to serve your church. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen.